This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. And I just want to preach on next. Next. Uh, I want to talk about what's next. Here's what I know. Over the last many weeks now, uh, for about a month, almost every service we've been pushing and we've been reaching for the lost of our community. Some of you have been here in the last month and you've made the decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. And oftentimes what happens in local church ministry is we just assume, we just make this really bad assumption that everyone knows, well, what happens next after I give my life to Jesus? After I repent of my sin and I make the decision, that's a good word, everyone say decision. After I make the decision to follow Jesus, most of the time we make the mistake of just assuming that everybody gets it. Here's what we don't do. Uh, contrary to what our culture might say, you know, just because you choose and make the decision to follow Jesus doesn't mean that you go out and have to buy all new clothes. You don't have to wear sport coats. You don't have to go out and buy yourself a big family-size Bible. You don't even have to go out and buy a Bible yet, to be honest with you. When you follow Jesus, really, your first and foremost job to do is like an old song I used to sing growing up in church. When I was a kid, there was this little catchy song that said, I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then it just says these little words, I won't turn back. Really, now that you've chosen to give your life to Jesus, just stay committed to the new direction that you're heading. And I, as a pastor, will help you with the what's next. You don't really have to uh, try hard. You don't really have to work hard at it. Really, what you must do is just not turn back. And how many of you uh, will agree with me? That's sometimes the most challenging part because we don't know the new life. We don't know people in the church. We don't know the church language. We don't know the church culture. We just know that we fell in love with Jesus. So I, I want to do things different this month coming out of Palm Sunday. And, of course, the weeks before that were we're preaching opportunities, leading people to Jesus, and then Easter. I want to help you with a few what's next. And uh, I believe it's going to help a lot of you that are in this second service. First and foremost, you need to really get a good grip and a good understanding of what's happened, not necessarily to you, but what's happened in you. There's been something that's happened inside of you. And I want to share with you what it is. You that have made a decision to follow Jesus over the last week, two weeks, three weeks or so. You have enjoyed what is called grace. Grace is a word that if, if you're a churchy type person, it gets abused sometimes. And if you're completely foreign to the church world, it's a word that you may not be real comfortable, uh, uh, rather uh, familiar with, I should say. Grace is really getting something that you never should have gotten. Grace is being given something that you don't really deserve. But also, grace is the element by which you're saved. 
You maybe not had any idea. You probably didn't have any clue that it was grace saving you through Jesus Christ. But this is what happened. In the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2, verse number 8. And I love the NLT. The NLT puts it this way. God saved you by His grace when you believed. Everyone say believe. That's right. When you believed, God's grace saved you. When you said, I think I'm going to believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin. And I'm going to believe that he is now my Lord and Savior. Your point of belief was literally activating. It was like a light switch or a key in an ignition. It was turning on. It was initiating and activating this beautiful gift from God called grace. Here's Ephesians 2 and 8. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And here's why it was so beautiful and so easy. <laughs> because the Bible says, and you can't take credit for it. How many of you love to get a pat on the back for something that you did and you did it real good? Dude, raise your hand. Lying suckers, raise your hand. Either you were just completely on Facebook or asleep when I asked that question because everybody's trying. Who likes to get a attaboy when you do something good? Thank you. Well, God knew that you love to get recognized and attaboy and pats on the back. He, he knew that you would be so addicted to Facebook to see if somebody liked something that you put. That he did not put a like option on your salvation. That you didn't do it. Because if we did it, we would tweet about it. Save myself today. Got saved again just because I'm an again kind of saving dude. You'd be, you'd be doing all kind of silly things looking for someone's approving what you've done. Guess what? You didn't do this. You may have done some other things, but you didn't do this. And let me help someone in future tense. You can't do that. Some of you, the reason you have not yet come to Jesus Christ is because you're still, you're still just so determined to try to do it your way, but yet you're never, it's never going to happen. You're, it's impossible for you to do anything to be good enough to be saved. Let me, let me. Come to you a different way. There's nothing you can do to make God love you. Whoa, preacher. I thought that's why we pray. No. I thought that's why you're always asking people for the money. No. I thought that's why you're always making us feel bad when we don't come to church. No. There's nothing you can do to make God love you. Really want me to blow your mind? God was loving you. Before you even knew how to spell G-O-D. And he did not love you anymore when you said, oh, G-O-D. He didn't love you less. He doesn't love you more. He loves you. He loved you before you ever knew that he loved you. Now let me set the record straight. And he doesn't love you anymore now. That you claim to love him most. He just loves. 
There's no one in this room that God loves more than me. And there's no one in this room that God loves less than me. He loves you just the way you are. In the clothes that you're wearing, in the music you're listening to, in the places you're going, in the things you're doing, he loves you. It's the only love that comes without strings. It's the only love that comes without condition. It's the only love that doesn't see color. It's the only love that doesn't see age or gender. It's the only love that doesn't operate in time. God's love covers the world. So much so that he gave his life for the world. And you and I are just lucky enough to be in his world. Somebody open up your mouth and say, thank you for loving me. Somebody say amen. The Bible goes on to say this, that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. And I love this, verse 9. Salvation's not a reward for the good things that we've done. Everybody go, Whew. In other services, you have to make them understand that. This service, we go, salvation's not a reward for the good things that you've done. So none of us can boast about it. So now that we were establishing the idea of my salvation is something that only can come from God and only by one way through God, and that's grace. There's nothing you can do to work for, you cannot work for that salvation. But once you taste of the goodness of God, you will want to work from that salvation. You can't work your way into it, but once you've tasted the goodness of God and you've come to realize he really does love me, and once you've given him a chance to change your life and to change your perspective and to change your, your world, once you've tasted the goodness of God and you've seen his generosity, not, not money, no, 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 his generosity of patience, his generosity of forgiveness, his generosity of peace and comfort and goodness, once you've seen how giving and benevolent he really is, you will actually want to work for him. First, uh, uh, rather, chapter 2 of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So you got to work it out. I'm blessed by the grace of God, but now I go to work. To please God. Well, how do I know, Pastor Tommy, what pleases God? The Bible says that God's going to be working in you, showing you how to please Him. This is what preachers mean when, when I say the word spirit-led. When you come to God, Brother Sam Perry, and the grace of the Lord just blesses your life, you have a tendency to tap into that reservoir of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit will lead you into a lifestyle of righteousness through Jesus Christ that will bless God. The Bible tells us you can't please Him. You can't, 
You can't please him without faith. So all of this comes by faith. You may not understand it, but by faith, you take a chance in pleasing God. And he says he's going to be working in you, through you, for you to please him. So in other words, all the pressure's off, man. Performance is off. Perfection, shh, don't have to work for it. I wear Jesus. If there was a way without any of you thinking it would be sacrilegious, if this was Jesus, this coat, his righteousness, I put it on me, covering up the real me, the one that's flawed, the one that's messed up and scarred, I put his righteousness on me, and then I start living a life that's pleasing unto God, and it's all done through the love of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, that's good preaching. I was about to amen me, myself, and I. That's three amens right there. That's good preaching. So what do we do with this? This is just a balance between grace and works. I'm not saved by my works, but when I'm saved, I go to work. So where do I work? What's next? What do I need to work on? Well, let me show you a few things this morning quickly, and I won't keep you much longer. Without question, without any compromise, I believe I'm very biblically sound by saying that once you believe, everybody say believe, and if, if you know, the way Ephesians 2 puts it, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Once you believed, God's grace opened up the door to salvation in your life, but it also opened you up to all the other beautiful opportunities that is in grace. God's grace wants to take you places that you never imagined going in your understanding of God. But you can never get there without believing. Believing is somewhat like a key in a lock. Believing is somewhat like a, a gear shift being put into first gear. Believing literally opens up the potential of God's grace in your life. Here's how 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says, like newborn babies, we got to crave spiritual milk so that we will grow. Everyone say grow. Grow into a full experience of salvation. And I would say that for so many of you in this service today, of which I'm so proud to talk to you, I'm so proud of who you are and what you've done over the last several weeks. There's many of you in this room over the last several weeks, you've made huge steps in your faith, and you have decided to follow Jesus. And you're, you've, you've, you've followed him so much now over the last week and two weeks that you're, you're seeing that it's going to take commitment, and you're seeing that it's going to take dedication. I applaud you, and I compliment you. But this morning, I want to talk to you about water baptism. Because I believe that once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his grace opens the door for you, for you to experience the fullness of his salvation, as this scripture says, that there are some, there are some pathways for you to get on board with. And one of which is water baptism. And all over this room today, I want the privilege 
I personally want the honor to be able to serve you this morning in water baptism. Here at Calvary Church, we have baptismal Sundays periodically. We have them uh, every other month, to be exact. But today is not one of those. Today, I am reaching for those that are in this service, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you've made that decision, but you've yet to be water baptized. I want to be able to serve you with that. Now, I also know that I have a lot of friends here in this service that you grew up in different faith backgrounds, uh, one of which uh, are, we have Catholic friends that come here to Calvary Church, and you grew up in the Catholic Church. You know, among Catholics, along the side with other uh, backgrounds of faith, there are infant baptisms. There are children's baptisms. And, and I, just want, I don't want you to feel awkward about that because I know that your mom and dad or your godparents or your grandparents, whomever it was that led you there as a child, they were absolutely doing it because they wanted the blessings of God on your life. They did it out of pure, true sincerity. But I also know this, that all 27 biblical examples of water baptism in the Bible, all 27 of them happened after someone believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, until you come to an age where you can fully believe in Jesus, until you come to that age where you fully understand that he died for you, I believe that once that happens, whether it's 12 years old or 18, possibly there's a 32-year-old here today, that just over the last few weeks it's hit you and you've realized, I really am going to believe in this beautiful thing called grace. Well, now it's your opportunity to follow that belief with baptism. All baptisms in the New Testament Scripture happen after someone, the Bible uses the terms, believed accepted or received so it's a post decision decision it's something that comes after that so this morning I really want to bless you right now I want to encourage you will you let me will you allow this pastor to take you to that next place to lead you here into the water of baptism this morning because I really want to help you with it in a few minutes I'll come back to that I'll let you think about it for a few minutes I think also that whenever you come to follow Jesus, without question, God established something on earth for your good. It's called the local church. Every single person that comes to know Jesus Christ, we need to be in a, we need to be in a church. Now, before you think that this is a sales pitch, I'm selling the church, and there's churches on every corner. If it's a Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching, redemption-believing church, it's a good church. Now, I just happen to think this is the best, but there's churches everywhere. Here's where you're going to get in trouble. By choosing to follow Jesus, but not getting involved in the very thing he gave his life for. Jesus established the local church. Because he understood that if you're going to make it, if you're going to survive, you cannot do that being isolated away from the family of God. If you've ever watched any of these real cool uh, animal kingdom shows where they show these safaris and you got the lion and he's moving in slow motion and he's got slobber everywhere and his teeth are coming out. He separates that one impala from the herd, doesn't he? Those in the herd remain safe. They're not perfect. 
They're still confused at times. They're still running crazy at times. But if that lion can get one of them cut off, he'll probably get devoured. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's not by accident that America, that Argentina, that Japan, that even over in the Middle East, on all over the world, the church of the living God has little houses called places of worship. It's because of this reason. Let me share scripture with you today. Uh, let me flip over here to Ephesians 2, chapter number 19 in the Living Bible. In the Living Bible, it says it this way. You're a member of God's very own family. That's at the point of belief. That's at the point of grace. But the Bible says, and you belong, man. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. Well, this is a great local house to belong to. But where we get in trouble, again, let me go back and finish that statement. Where we get in trouble is we'll choose to follow Jesus and then we'll never commit to a church. We'll try one church one week, the next church the next week, and then we'll watch something online or we'll flip through television stations. And we're not talking about salvation, but we're, we are talking about making the journey. I was playing golf a few weeks ago with two men that I, I did not know at all. I knew one of them from an acquaintance, and that gentleman asked me when he found out that I was a local church pastor, I guess he thought that it was a question I'd never heard before, and he was going to have fun asking me the question, but I've heard the question many times. He said, do you think I can go to heaven without being a member of a church? And I said, boy, I sure hope so. I said, I fully believe you can. And how I phrased it to him, I phrased it to you. Being a member of a church has never saved anybody, ever. But it does help you along the way. Only Jesus can save you. But there's a reason that he created the church. Because we need each other. Another thing that I've noticed in, in, the, in the churches that we have, majority of churches, not all, but majority of churches do better when people are doing life together in a smaller group. If you look across this audience today, we've got the, uh, let's see if we can have fun and break this down. We've got the, the very sparse crowd. These are the later rivals that barely drifted in. And, and we've, got, we've got this crowd that constantly, uh, they, they just constantly look down and, and text and Facebook. We've got the spiritual crowd because that's where the teenagers are. And then over here, we've got, as you can tell, I'm being funny. I can totally see me getting an email about this. I, I was not on Facebook. Dude, I'm just literally making it made up. I just completely made it up other than the texting. Now, you got these other two groups over here that we'll just, you're just two groups because I've already got myself in trouble. My point is, my point is, I doubt there's anyone in that section right over here that knows every single name to that section. And I doubt there's anyone in this section that knows every single name in these two sections. And we're not a big church. We're just a good-sized family-type church. But here's what we know. Everybody loves to be missed when they're not somewhere. Everybody loves to be checked on when they're not doing well. Everybody loves the sensation and the feeling of comfort when they get, when they get uh, an attaboy when they do something good. Ladies and gentlemen, not only do you need to be water baptized if you've not yet done that, 
you need to be a part of a local church, and then you need to be doing life with a smaller group in the local church. Because we're better when we're knowing each other. How long has it been since you've done a meal with someone from your church? How long has it been since you've done a quick road trip with someone from your church? How long has it been since you've gone to, uh, gone to your church's friend's kid's baseball game? Or, see what I'm saying? And then we wonder why that we're struggling in our spirituality or in our Christian experience. You want to know what's next? And this goes not to just new believers. This goes to people that have been in this church for 20 years. Because you might think that just doing life in a smaller group, that's for new believers. No, that's for you. That's for you that gets lonely when you don't get phone calls from anybody in your church. That's for you that says nobody visits me anymore. That's for you that says nobody even knew I was in the hospital. Well, it's because you're not doing life with a smaller group that can keep up with you and that can know you and love you and serve you. Somebody say amen. amen. And then last but not least as I close this morning. What you really want to do now that you've come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and now that you have experienced his grace, grace has opened up the door to this beautiful opportunity of you really finding out why you were created anyway. See, we had a ball coach in the first service. We had a ball coach in the first service that I I called out in the service and I started talking to him about tryouts. See, this is what all ball teams do. Majority of all ball teams, what they do is they get all the players, they line them up on the fence when they're first starting out, and they try to find out where's this player going to fit. Man, this guy's real tall. Maybe we can put him in center. This guy's real fast. Maybe we can put him as running back. This guy, wow, look at those arms. I bet he can throw it harder than anybody else. And what we do is we try them out, try them out, try them out. We weed them out, we weed them out, and then we find their spot. And in God's kingdom, it works the exact opposite. God looked before you ever were and saw a spot. He saw a vacancy. He saw a need. And he created you for the need. He didn't try to fit you into a position just to let you feel good about playing ball. No, And I will say this, and I know it sounds kind of funny, but there's a serious point being made. And he doesn't give trophies just to everybody. God's going to give the trophy to the one that's fulfilling what he was created to do. And what you're created to do is to worship God, to give God your very best. Well, I'm pretty content being a plumber. I'm pretty good at being an electrician. I teach school fairly well. I'm a great salesman. I got all kind of awards on my wall. That's not what your purpose is. That's how you pay your mortgage. What impact are you leaving in your own family? What impact are you leaving in the places of your employment? What kind of differences are you making in your kids? What difference are you making in our community or in this church? You have a purpose, man. And your purpose is not just to take up a cushion on this pew. Your purpose is not just to go church to church to church to church. Your purpose, your purpose is is, is so much bigger than that. But you'll never know it if you cannot first believe in the grace of Jesus Christ that will open up this opportunity for you to go all in and for you to operate in life out of your God-given 
purpose. The Bible tells us that you're his masterpiece. Ephesians 2 and 10. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. Check this out, and I'm about done. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Are you living the kind of life that has the fruit of you doing the good things that God had planned for you long ago? Or are you still looking for him? Thank God if you're still looking for him, that means you're looking for him. But if you're saying, I don't even have any idea, can I tell you, you've yet to go into that full experience of grace, the full experience of God's saving power. God did not save you. Here's a, hey, I heard an old country preacher years ago say, he did not uh, sanctify you to just petrify you. You don't just get sanctified and petrified. And then one day glorified. Just added one for kicks. I'm a rapper by trade. God's got a greater purpose, man. You are the apple of his eye. You could be 12 years old in this service and you got a purpose, man. You could be 40 and wondering. Man, am I ever going to keep this thing together? Yes, you will when you find your purpose. And can I, I, I just really want to help somebody today. I'm really working hard right now for the next few seconds. Oh, if you're here today and you're a husband, may I preach to you. If you're a wife, may I preach to you. If you're a parent, if you're so fortunate to be a parent, may I preach to you and bless you. If you're a single dad or a single mom, you want to talk about purpose. You have that which he gave his life for in your care. You have within your arm's reach the very one that you made your covenant with. When you walked down that aisle or you stood in that office, wherever it may have happened, God put you into that. You talk about purpose. God's wanting to use you in such a way to be the, to, to, to be the representation of Jesus. And you're going to do that by his grace, by his grace, by his grace are you saved. And by his grace will you be able to enjoy all of the fullness of this salvation through your faith in it. I never saw this coming, but I feel a heaviness here. I don't know why. I'm not, I don't want to stay there because I'm not comfortable there. But I will say this. I feel like somebody's already thinking about some of this. You're already chewing on it. You're it's in your mind right now. Your, your wheels are turning and you're starting to see it. And you're starting to really be appreciative of this sermon because you're seeing that you're not done. You haven't yet arrived just because you believed. Just because you believed. We celebrate that. But now you must respond and let grace take you where His grace wants to take you. I want you to stand quickly. I feel led that, that there's some people here today, man, it's your day. This is going to be the best day of your life. There are men and women, there's students. Hey, teenagers, listen to me. If there's teenagers in this room and you have parental representation today, if there's teenagers here today, if you have believed in Jesus, if you've given your life to the Lord but you've yet to be water baptized, man, I, I text our church staff on, I think it was Friday last week or maybe Monday this week. It was sometime that I knew it was way last minute. But I said, man, I feel led to preach on water baptism Sunday. Today's going to be your day. 
There's men and women in this room that you, you've yet to be water baptized, and I'm going to serve you today. Matter of fact, I'm going to run and get this coat off, roll up these sleeves, and I'm going to baptize you if you'll let me. And I don't want you doing it out of what I'm asking you to do. I'm wanting you to do it out of obedience. And I'm wanting you to say, you know what, man? Grace has been so good to me. I'm ready to go. I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm go all in. Check this out. You've heard me say it before. I wear this wedding band, and, and this wedding band, if I were to take it off, or if I were to misplace it accidentally, guess what? That does not break my marriage covenant with my wife. It's just a wedding band, right? But when I'm wearing it, it's a symbol to everybody else that this hot mamacita I had to make sure she was up there first. I saw some of y'all laughing, and I'm like, oh, snap, did she not come up? Check this out. What this is, man, this is a symbol, right? It's a symbol. It's my public, it's my public declaration of where my heart's at. My salvation's between me and God. I get that. But this is my public declaration of where my heart's at. Because I'm not in this secretly. This is not my, this is not my second personality. When I believed, I believed. That's why I received His grace. Because I believed it. And I meant it. And I'm not just going one step in and just saying, oh, I did it. I'm good. I can go do my thing. No, 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 no. When I went in, I'm in it. And now I want to see what else can I get in? What other secrets of this incredible life change is there? Water baptism, man, is your way of just shouting to the world. Screaming at the top of your lungs. Look at that. I'm different. I don't, I'm different. I'm, I'm done with how I used to be. I'm different. Now, I can't tell you how I'm going to do it. I don't know everything's perfect. I may never wear a coat like that. I don't like them silver buttons. And I may never wear a tie. It chokes my neck. Don't. Trust me. Don't get into it. You'll never be able to take it off. Just stay in your T-shirt. It's far more comfortable. But even if you don't understand all that, go further with Jesus. All over this house, bow your heads real quick. And I need you to not wait another second. If you'll let me baptize you today, if you're a new believer in Jesus Christ, or if you've been believing in Jesus for four years, but you've never taken a step of water baptism, I want you to quickly take a step to this altar right now. Don't wait another second. I want to baptize you this morning. I want to serve you. and I want to bless you and your family. If you're one of our AO students, I need you to have parental consent. Only if your mom or dad is with us. And I need to make sure they come with you. God bless you as you come. My friend, I love you. Is there anyone else this morning? You ready to go public with this faith? You're ready to go public with this declaration and this decision. God bless you. God bless you. Who else is here today? This is your day, man. You don't need another sermon. You just heard the sermon. You don't need more time. You've had the time. You don't have to wait for, listen to me. I know what's natural, okay? Here's what tradition says. Tradition says, I need to wait till grandma's here. Really? Send grandma a text if she has a smartphone. 
Well, I don't know if I've got the right clothes. Check this out. We've got everything you need. We've got t-shirts. We've got shorts. We've got towels. We've, man, we've got underwear. For real? For real. Now they hot pink, but you'll be good. I'm serious about this right now, y'all. And I'm really not done because I know there's other people. Thank you for coming. There's other people that need to be baptized. And I know you didn't plan this. You didn't wake up today saying, oh, he's preaching on baptism. And I'm going to go because I need to be baptized. No, you need to be baptized because you've heard the word of God preached to you. And your heart's telling you right now, you know what? I'm not, I, I think I need to do this. Won't you do it? And I'm done because if I go any further, I'll be... I'll be said that I was guilty for putting a hard sell on you. Well, you know what? I really don't apologize for a hard sell when it deals with your heart. When it goes with your heart, I don't, I, I, I'm not worried about the hard sell. I'm not worried about it. I'm about to pray, and while I pray, while I pray, worship team, be on go. While I pray, if there's anybody else, come quickly. Is this like the guy section? Is that what we're doing? Guys, while I pray, if there's any others... Men this way, ladies this way. Make sure those are pink and make sure blue. Listen to me, guys. When I pray, if your heart's beating out of your chest, the only thing that's worse than that feeling is going to your car with it. The only thing that's going to be worse than your little cotton mouth right now because you don't want to tell your wife that you've never been baptized is going to that car with it. Ladies and gentlemen, Here's your opportunity to go what's next. And I want to bless you with it. Bow your heads. Father, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray if there's anyone here today.